0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, Alamo City family, and to those of you who are here and those of you who are scattered wherever you may be around this world, we we welcome you in the name that is above every other name, the only one, the only one we've been singing about, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to find your in your copy of the scripture that passage that we've been on for the last two or three weeks in Acts chapter 4 and let me just reread some of these lines from the prayer that um, Peter and John and the apostles as they gathered together to pray, the words that they used coming coming out of a, a an intense time of interrogation. They'd even Peter and John had even been put in prison overnight and then they had been interrogated and threatened by the same group that that threatened interrogated and ultimately um, came up with the plan for Jesus to be crucified it's the same characters it's the same players and now they're they're having their turn before that tribunal when they were released because the man as the scripture says Luke reports the man who had been healed was over more than 40 years old and and uh, he was standing right there next to them. And they were told, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus, to which Peter says, you're going to have to be the judge of that, but we can't, we can't stop speaking what we've both seen and heard. And, and so they, they find themselves in the place of prayer. They, they specifically gathered to pray. And verse 29, Acts 4:29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats, And grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence, with all boldness. While thou dost extend thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. They were asking, as we spent some time on last week, they they were asking for the Lord to fill them up with his spirit freshly all over again. They had known what it was to be filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but that had been some days previous to this. Now they find themselves in a place of of, uh, uncertainty in the sense of what would the rulers do next? What What would they determine to do with them if they keep on representing the name of Jesus, bearing witness for Jesus, just as Jesus had said they would receive power to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The good news about this, the encouragement to us, I think, is when they found that, that sense of boldness waning a little bit on the inside of them, that, that, that sense of, of confidence and, and who they knew the Lord to be and, and what they knew he had called them to do, but just, just the sense of within, and it's, the, it's an emotional word, God, give us our confidence back. They felt that being diminished, and so instead of trying to get fresh confidence from each other and and have a pep rally and talk each other into, well, let's get after it again. They just went straight to where the confidence came from in the first place. They went straight to the Lord. Lord, will will you give us our boldness back? Will you give us our confidence back? Will you give us that certainty in our hearts that you are who you say you are? And that there is power in your name so that we can keep on doing what it is you want us to do. But if we're going to do that, you're going to need to give us the confidence, give us the boldness back. I, I find just so much encouragement in that. That the Lord, they knew that the Lord wasn't up there judging them on whether or not they were able to, to, to feel as much courage, confidence, boldness as they had before. They just accepted the fact that he knew they were human. He knew that on their own, they weren't going to be able to maintain this walk. He knew who they were. And he knew that that unless he filled them, that they would never return to that place of boldness. That's encouragement for us. I, I don't know about you, but there's some days we say around here sometimes, some days chickens and some days feathers. Some days you just there's a strength and there's a confidence and there's a clarity in your mind and it's easy to love God and easy to love people and easy to forgive and easy to speak up. Then there are other days when it just seems like that was some other person over there and, I, and there's another person inside my body today because those things are not the real emotions that are working in my heart. So what do we do in a place like that? What do we do when we've gotten weary? What do we do when we've... We've run through our confidence. Instead of condemning ourselves and beating ourselves up like these guys could have done, we need to do as they did. Lord Jesus. And it's that that second of those two prayers that we've said and been hammering away at this for these last several months. One of two prayers, both of them can change everything. The first one is, Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. We get not just... In the beginning, not just from the knowledge of our sins and our first relationship, coming into a relationship with him, Jesus, save me. But there are going to be lots of other things, lots of other messes that we find ourselves in, lots of other places of opposition that we can find ourselves confronted by. Jesus, save me. That's his name. That's his name. Jesus means savior, rescuer, deliverer. Jesus, save me. But then that second prayer, which is at the heart of what they prayed here, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Jesus isn't scared of anything. Jesus isn't confused by anything. Jesus isn't threatened by anybody. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Can somebody say amen this morning? I know it's early, but talk talk a little bit back to the preacher. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me. You know, I think that that's one of those things when we, when we can realize that the Lord is honored when we create that or cause that to work in our hearts as an habitual prayer, just like breathing, just like breathing. Lord, I, if I'm going to make it till noon, if I'm going to be able to, to have the love and the patience and the forgiveness and the direction that you want me to have, I need you to fill me every second of every day. I need your spirit to fill me this minute and the next minute and this hour and the next hour. And it becomes just a way that we, that we live. Instead of, instead of trying to do it on our own, Jesus would say, you know, apart from me, you can't do a thing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And as we've said often before, what part of nothing do we not understand? Do we think there's some part of nothing that we can do on our own? Or are we realizing as the Lord would have us to realize that apart from Him, apart from His strength, separated from Him, from His, from the reality of His of His loving presence and life flowing through us, there, there's nothing that we can do apart from Him. Jesus fill me. Jesus fill me. Jesus fill me. Now, yesterday we we uh, we started our weekend with uh, with David Turner being with us. The the businessman who sold all sold his businesses to, uh, for the purpose of being able to serve the Lord, travel around the world, and just preach as an evangelist, but also pray for the sick. As I've mentioned to you, and this is his fourth time to be with us over these last several years, um, we we have the, the joy of just being in the company of someone <laughs> who it doesn't matter what the medical condition is. It doesn't matter what the doctors have said. It doesn't matter what the prognosis may scientifically be for that particular condition. There's just a sense in his heart. The Lord puts it in his heart to be able to believe for the Lord to do in that body physically whatever it is the Lord would want to do. And um, we, we had, a, had a wonderful group of folks yesterday in the fellowship hall and he spoke and taught on the subject of healing, and then we began. He just called for ones to come who had something going on in their bodies that medicine hadn't been able to fix to come to be prayed for. And so one after another, after another, after another, they, they came up. And and some of you may be in the room this morning, and 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 it would be measurable things. It would be a a, a neck that couldn't move properly, or shoulder that was, or knees and different things and pains and. And, and, you know, some folks who don't have any pain, they think, what's the big deal about that? But if you've got a pain or you've got a limb that doesn't work or there's something that, that goes on that causes you to be robbed of that sense of, 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 of your full life, being able to fully enjoy your life, it is a big deal. So, so as we move from this service, at this 9 o'clock service, into the 11 o'clock in just a few minutes, and then into the time tonight when we, were, we will be starting at 6 o'clock this evening and we will go until the last person who wants prayer is finished. Last time it was 1 o'clock in the morning. We were here from 6 o'clock until 1 o'clock a.m. But everybody who came, many wheelchairs, many with crutches, many with conditions that were measurable as well as those that, that, that there were diseases or heart conditions or various kinds of conditions, Folks just coming, coming from all over San Antonio, and I want to, that invitation is extended right now, this morning, again, to all of you who are hearing this. If you can get here, for that 11 o'clock, David will be teaching. He'll pray briefly for some, but not all, but the evening service tonight at 6 o'clock will be focused primarily. That's all we'll do. There'll be a time of worship, he'll speak, and then we'll begin to pray for those with medical, physical needs, as well as emotional needs, as well as um, things where there are just broken places in the heart. Now, now I, I, just, I, just need to, I just need to establish some running room right here, and you can take it, and you can leave it, or, or you can embrace it. We don't care what anybody says about what Alamo City might be doing on this Sunday night. Well, are they're, they're becoming this kind of church, or they're becoming, let me tell you something. If it's in this book, it's still valid. If it is still something Jesus did back then, and he, then he's able to do it again. And it doesn't matter whether that, whether that necessarily is something that you feel comfortable. There were a ton of things that Jesus did that made a ton of people uncomfortable, right? So he's not in the business of just automatically doing what we always understand or what we've always We've always felt like would be the norm or proper. I, I just you see that's the thing. You, you're not desperate enough if you spend time just thinking. Well, Jesus couldn't do that today because that was well. That's an academic approach. But if medicine hadn't worked, if all the, if so, I'm not saying that medicine and doctors and science is all wrong, because that's to be encouraged. Every good gift comes down from the Lord. It comes from Him the medical procedures and the and the drugs and the various things that help, where, it, where those are good things, God sent those to the human race. But what if there are some things that medicine hadn't been able to fix? What if there are some things that surgery hadn't been able to fix? What about that? What if that is something that the Lord could want to show you or someone you love, how much he loves you and that he would choose to suspend the laws of nature, the laws that he created in the first place, and to step in and prove that Jesus Christ's name is the name that is above every other name, that his name is above cancer, his name is above every other kind of disease we can name, and injury and wound and emotional state or whatever. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Either it's true or it's not true. Now, how he chooses to do that, to to, uh, implement and to impose, in a sense, his authority. That's up to him. But you know what this book says? You have not because you ask not. Huh? You have not because you ask not. So what if it is that the Lord is saying, ask me. Ask me. I don't want us to go to heaven and realized that there were all these things that the Lord would have given us, but we either didn't take the time, or we were distracted away from it, or we just didn't really believe that he wanted to do it because we didn't ask. We never asked. So those of you who are here in in this service this morning, or those who are listening, if you want to come back for that 11 o'clock service to, to hear the teaching, it will be a strong gospel message. It will be... The clear declaration, the greatest miracle is when somebody is brought from death to life, when Jesus raises the dead, someone who has not known him and who's been walking in in just a place of spiritual death, and and then the gospel is presented, and the one responds to the message of Christ and receives Jesus into their hearts, and the spiritual scripture talks about being raised from the dead, that that one who was formerly dead in sins now is alive in Jesus Christ. And that will be spoken this morning. But then this evening at 6 o'clock, we'll spend the time in, in prayer, praying specifically for the sick, praying for the sick, praying for the sick. I, I don't know why we don't do that anymore, why that has become something that only one particular branch of the church gets to do. And the rest of us over here on this other side of the tree, we just don't ever do that. Because we're just we're not sure whether that would ruffle feathers or whether it's just going to be an extreme kind of thing. No, uh, and as you meet um, as you meet David Turner and hear him, you will you'll recognize this is not a dog and pony show. He 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 flew in at his own expense, brought his own team here at his own expense. He's not asking for a love offering, not asking for your email address. He just kind of blows up all these these stereotypes of, well, they're just in it for money and they're just in it to be famous and be popular. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to do this, but he does it because he feels like the Lord has brought him here to be a part of us for the fourth time over these years. And, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited. I was just so blessed and encouraged. My own faith got just stirred up just listening to the word come out of his mouth and flow out of his heart. And that's why I'm wanting to encourage you to expose yourself, put yourself into a place where you could be, you could hear some scripture and you could hear some perspective and you'd be able to to have a sense of, of what faith, when it is on the daring edge of faith, what that can look like and what God might be able to do. Amen. Preach it, preacher, you know, so there you have it. All right, now, okay, so tonight we pray And yesterday we prayed for the sick in the name of Jesus. Look at, again, what what they're saying in Acts 4. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The name in the Bible, the word name, represents the person. It's a substitute for the person. And some way or another though they had known the name of Jesus before, before Pentecost, after the time that the Spirit came upon them, these were so convinced of the authority and the name and the power of Jesus Christ that they would speak in his name and they would expect that things would happen in the name of Jesus as though the person of Jesus was right there, The person of Jesus was literally performing the miracles or giving them the strength to say what they needed to say. The name of Jesus in in your name while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of the holy servant Jesus. Well it is true that signs and wonders took place then and still take place today in the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. But I want to suggest to you this morning, I'm going to leave David, um, David Turner, the, the room and the freedom to further develop the signs and wonders part connected to the name of Jesus. But I want to offer this morning, as just for, for our group this morning, three other things, three other aspects that are ours in the name of Jesus. The first one is this. Find Matthew chapter 11, if you would. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is speaking, verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Notice what he says. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, there is rest. There is rest. Come to me, all who are weary. That word literally means worn out by the minutia of life, worn out by the Chihuahua dogs that just stay on your heels, yipping and nipping, and not ever letting up. Come to me, all who are worn out. Come to all. Come to me, all who are weary from the unending responsibilities and necessities of life. The immediate context here was that Jesus would look out upon a very religiously motivated crowd of people, a group of people, that they were working so hard to try to keep the minutiae of what had been handed down to them as laws and rules to do in order for God to be pleased with you and God not to judge you. The only problem is a whole bunch of those rules were not rules that God had come up with. They were rules that men had come up religious people had come up, come up with. And so Jesus looks out across them, and they're, they're, they're church-going people. They're religious people. They're, they're morally uh, directed people in a sense, but he just looked into their face and he just saw them tired. You're worn out. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And that, that we've talked about this before. That's a perfect passive tense in the, in the original language. And it means something that, that happened to you back over here years earlier, earlier in your life, something that happened to you was done to you, passive in the sense that somebody else did this to you. You didn't do this to yourself. This was done to you. And the impact, the impression, the force of what happened then, the impact of it, the results of it, are as real today as it was the day that it happened to you. It's the perfect, not just past tense, that something happened in the past. That's called the imperfect tense. It's something that happened here, or the aorist tense. It happened in the past. But when it's specifically and strategically the perfect tense, it means something happened, but the result of what happened is as vivid and as real and as impactful and as determining of actions today as it was when it happened back then. Jesus is saying that there are some things that were done to you that have become great burdens to you throughout your life. He says, you bring those to me too. Bring to me, come to me as you are, not after you've gotten rested up, but because you're worn out. Come to me, come to me, not to a church, not to a disciple, not to a you know, some religious structure. You come to me as best you, you, you come to me. Come to me, all of you who are worn out, You're slapped tired, we might say, and then you're weary, you're worn out because of burdens, things that were done to you, the result of which has caused a continued sense of weight upon your life. You come to me with those things, and I will give you rest, rest, supernatural rest in the name of Jesus Christ. It's ours to lay hold of. is ours to look to him for. Lord, Lord, I'm coming to you tired. I don't want anybody to raise your hand this morning saying I'm worn out and I'm heavy laden or I'm both times 50. We don't necessarily need to say that and indicate that to each other because it's just true of all of us at one time or another. So instead of us feeling like we have to just deal with that on our own, just like the disciples would sit there and think, where am I going to get this boldness? Where am I going to get this fresh confidence? We who are weary and worn out, instead of being even more stressed with, how am I going to get this rest? How am I going to get my wind back? It, it's Sunday, Monday's coming, and I'm still worn out from last week or the months before, the years before. Lord, what, what, what am I to do? Where am I to go to find that? Jesus would say, you Come to me just like you are. You come to me with the things that are wearing you out and the things that have crushed you. You come to me, and I will give you, I will give you, I will give you rest. In the name of Jesus, blinded eyes were opened. In the name of Jesus, withered limbs were straightened out. In the name of Jesus, Lazarus was raised, and others would be raised from the dead. In the name of Jesus, he promises to give the worn-out rest and the broken of the burdened-down rest. So, Lord, help me to remember that I have permission to come to you. In fact, it's a command. He's saying this is what you need to do to find rest to find rest. So I offer that. Not only does he heal, not only are the signs and wonders physical medical miracles, but there's another something that he offers to his own that we're not going to be able to get from anywhere else. He offers this deep rest for a deep tired in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go there, go there, go there. Some, if you have no one, is to have, have some kind of a tired, a weariness, that you can take a two-hour nap and still wake up worn out when you get through. Or go on a vacation. Just feel if I can, if I can break the, the, the cycle, break the settings here, and just get away. And to some degree, those things help. Some things, most spiritual thing we can do is take a good nap or to, or to take a break and go somewhere. But there are other types of weariness there are other types of fatigue that only the Lord Jesus by His Spirit has the ability to release us from. You know what the, the root meaning of the word um, that he's speaking about here, come to all who are weary and, and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The meaning for rest, the root meaning for rest is the word permission. You come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, And I give you permission. Permission for what? Permission to lay the burden down, to lay it at his feet, permission to get out from under the sense that this the responsibility for the correct solution, for the right conclusion, for the ultimate end of this is all on me. Instead, he's saying, You come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I give you permission to turn it all over to me. and There's never been a burden too heavy for him to carry. There's never been a problem too complicated for him to solve. There's never been a need too great for him to more than abundantly meet the supply for. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In the name of Jesus, rest. In the name of Jesus, there is rest second thing I would offer this morning, in addition to the signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus speaks these words. Again, he's looking out across a very religious crowd. On on verse 37, it begins in this way, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who had believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus has been glorified. The Spirit now has been given since that day of Pentecost, available to to all of the children of God through Christ. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And one dimension of that is, in the name of Jesus, there is refreshing. There are seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord, as Acts 3 would talk about. If anybody's thirsty, if anybody's thirsty, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me or let her come to me and drink. For out of his innermost being, out of her innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, folks, that, that's, one of those, that's one of those things that, that that we need to ask the Lord to refresh in our hearts. Whenever we find ourselves in a spell, it can seem like a spiritual drought. Or, or a spiritual season of being down and maybe discouraged, or, or it seems as if life has become just real boring and, and, and predictable, and, and we, we wonder if, if we've lost something in our walk with the Lord. What happened to the adventure? What happened to the abandoned kind of faith, the reckless kind of faith? Lord, if, you, if you're telling me to go for it, then I'll go for it. And you said go, and you didn't say anything about having been able to come back, you know? Give me that kind of faith again, a season of refreshing. I just believe this is something that's very important for us in the the day to day living. The Lord knows when we need a season of refreshing. We talk about revivals, and revival with a capital R would be when it seems like the Spirit of the Lord is just moving in a massive way all across a city or all across a nation. in in the world, and and there just seems to be this incredible uh, atmospheric presence of the sense of the Lord, That, that happens from time to time. We pray that the Lord will pour out his spirit of revival upon our nation in particular. But there are personal revivals. There's revival with a little R. It's when the Lord knows that you need to be refreshed, that you've become thirsty, But what the problem there is, Jesus is saying, and the assumption is, you can go to a lot of different places to try to satisfy your thirst. And they can be spots and places and people and things that don't do anything to satisfy the thirst. Look what he says he does in the place of a thirst. Not only does he satisfy the thirst... But he causes there to be an artesian well of spiritual water, rivers of living water, not that you have to go to and find and put your cup under the spigot. But the rivers of living water, he says, he desires to turn on and cause to flow from the inside of you out. So that not only are you satisfied, but it's this word living water. It means not only the power to to be life in itself, but it has the ability to impart life. That what comes out of you because you've been satisfied now has the power to satisfy the thirst of other folks. Say amen. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so instead of us living in a boring world and, and just a same old, same old, it's another Monday coming, it's going to be Friday, same old, just kind of go through the motions. And in the process of that, we, we, all, we're all we mainly moved by what is happening in the natural world around us, motivated, bumped around by the things in the natural world. And those things And those settings and those people don't have the power to deeply satisfy the thirst of the soul of a man or woman. So Lord, will you help me to take this thirst and bring it to you? And I'm going to trust you, ask you to do just what you said you would do. As I come to you and drink and continue to drink, then you've promised that the result would be Rivers of living water, life, refreshment, refreshment, refreshment coming into me and then being able to flow out of me. You know, you you can be in places where, 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 where nobody else may be lit with the Lord. Nobody else may be rejoicing in the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you have to sink down to the level of everything and everybody else around you, even though it may be a Christian group. It may be folks who know the Bible and sing the songs. But you can just tell that they're still chasing the satisfaction of their thirst, just like the world is chasing their satisfaction, their thirst, to satisfy their thirst. Jesus is saying, there's a better way. There's another way. You can go yonder, and you can stick your cup under all these other spigots out there, and you can drink from that. But they will leave you thirsty again. What I'm telling you is, you come to me with your thirst, and I will cause there to rise up within you. Not just one cupful. Not just one gallon jugful. Rivers of living water. Some would say, I hear that, but preacher, I don't know what in your world you're talking about. I ain't got a clue. That's why, for the last umpteen days and Sundays and weeks, we've been on it and on it and on it and on it again. This is tied to what it means for you to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. You can look at that verse and say, I read it, but I've never experienced that. I read it, and I don't even know what that means. It's tied to, directly tied to, the release of the Spirit of Jesus into you and flowing through you, not for the purpose of saving you from sins. We have to have the Spirit working in us to open our eyes to Jesus and to awaken saving faith. But this is another aspect of the spirit's role, and it's the aspect of empowering us, empowering us to be able to rest, empowering us to be able to live in the place of refreshment. Let me show you some, just one other spot in the New Testament where Paul references this kind of thing we're talking about. This is Colossians chapter 1, and on toward the end of the book of Colossians, or this chapter in the book of Colossians, verse 28 He says, and we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ, mature in Christ. And then look at this. Look at verse 29. You need to mark this verse in your your New Testament. And for this purpose, I also labor that we may present every man complete in Christ. And then he says, striving according to his power the power of Christ, which mightily works within me. Now, let me just break that out a minute. He he sticks two words together. The Spirit giving him what to write puts two words, power words, together within just a few words apart from each other. I'm, I'm striving. I'm working, but I'm working according to his power it's not my power. It's not my energy. It's not my ability. It is his power. Striving according to his power. And then the second one of those words, which mightily works within me. They try to bring that into English and so it lays out like that. But but the way that it's put in the original word, working, striving according to his power. And it's the word that we get energy from, the verb is energeo, we we get the word, striving according to his power, the energy of God working in me, the very energy of God. (laughs) Can I just say that again? Paul is saying, I've understood what it is to to give myself to, in a sense, strong and, and, and intense labor. But what's coming forth through me is not in my power. It's his power. And just so you'll get a little further aspect of that, it's not his power in a general sense or in an unknowable sense. What I'm telling you is it's the energy of God energizing me. So I don't, I'm not having to do this on my own and, and, and try to generate it on my own. It is the energy of God alive in me. It is the energy of God exerting power in me. Lord, show us that. Seasons of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. As as he satisfies our thirst, he satisfies our thirst. These rivers of living water is is what Paul is talking about. It's the flow of the energy and the life of God himself coming up from within you and working out through you. Well, that's why you know, Paul could keep going. We, we wonder how in the world did he keep going? Why didn't he get discouraged and quit? Beaten, stoned, ridden out of town on a rail again and again. You know, the, the, all those, That listing of all the things that he went through in trouble in the country, in trouble in the city, people hating him who were pagans and people hating him who were, who were religiously oriented. How did he keep going? Why didn't he quit? He identifies it here. It's because it was the energy of God flowing through me. It was the power of God alive in me. That was never intended just to be Paul's testimony. That is intended to be your testimony. That's intended to be my story, your story. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, there is rest In the name of Jesus, there's refreshing. And in the name of Jesus, go to Luke chapter 15, and we look again that there is rescue. There is restoration. There is restoration in the name of Jesus. Now, David has come. David Turner has come with a sense, and he hinted at it yesterday, that he believed that a word that the Lord's put on his heart for Alamo City and for San Antonio as he comes to speak to us this weekend is the word restoration, the power of the Lord, the work of the living Jesus to restore, to restore. I I want to encourage you to tune in to this next service um, as you're able to and and uh, hear, hear that word. But we, we, find, we find the theme of that in, in Luke 15, and, and this is just one of the greatest sections in all the Scripture. We, you know, you, you look at the ones who were in the room when Jesus was telling these stories, in his divided house, tax gatherer and sinners, that group, and then the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the ones that, um, you know, you poke them and Scripture came out. But you make them mad, and they're liable to throw a rock at you. I mean, they, they, they had all the Bible, they were just mean as snakes. I mean, that's something how the Scripture, you can study the Bible, study the Bible, and end up being judgmental and narrow-minded and mean. So he had that group in there. They were the ones that just didn't like Jesus at all because of his compassion for ones who were broken, ones who were having a hard time with life. Either they were sick or, or morally they just made some... Some choices that, that the Pharisees is how, how how could you even be in the same room with these tax gatherers and sinners? As we've said before, you pick out, you pick out what is to you the most morally despicable lifestyle. And the most morally despicable to you profession. You take that name and you insert it in the place of, in your New Testament, every place you see tax gatherers and sinners. They were the lowest of the low as far as the cultured community, civilized community around them were concerned. Let me read verse 1 and heading into these stories that Jesus told. Now, all the tax gatherers, to Luke it looked like All of them had shown up. All the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That particular verb for receives means to receive kindly, to receive as a friend to receive with the respect for human dignity. The religious police couldn't stand it and couldn't even imagine how this Jesus would receive the lowest of the low, in their estimation, kindly, or receive them as a friend, or receive them with a sense of respect. And he told them this parable, verse 3. Jesus told them this parable, and it was the parable of the the man who had a hundred sheep, lost one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Goes after it until he finds it not just content with a casual search, open the door, look through a darkened room, and say it ain't there, but to look for the sheep until he finds the sheep. And then he gathers everybody together, puts the sheep on his shoulders and rejoicing, and then invites all his friends to celebrate. And then he says in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, do you remember the meaning of the word repent? More more Rejoicing in heaven over the one who repents, who repents. Well, what does that mean? The root of it is this. It's two words, two, a preposition in front of the verb, meta, nao that last part means, means to know, to know, to know. Okay, that's the verb part, to know. Meta, the preposition in front of it, means after. To know after. To know something after you had experienced it or had gone through it. To know something that you didn't know before because you hadn't been through what you've just been through now, ever before. Repentance means on the basis of what I now know that I didn't know before, I have new conclusions. I have a, have a change in direction. I can't stay where I was because I have new knowledge now on the basis of what I've been through. The idea being that sheep knows now what it is to be lost. That sheep knows now what it is to be helplessly, dangerously away from the flock. But the shepherd came. The shepherd came and rescued the sheep, carries the sheep back home. And the the idea being people sheep can respond to the shepherd's rescue because they now know some things that they didn't know before. Check your own life out. Go, Go back through your own life. Why did you do some of the stupid stuff that you've done or we've done in our, in our past? That, that we see now it was a stupid choice. We can see now that that was going to be hurtful. But at the time, we didn't know that it would hurt us. we had heard other people say it was wrong, it'll hurt you. But it wasn't until we bloodied our nose. It wasn't until we, we, we strained our knee or something happened and we were hurt in the process that we came to the conclusion, you live out there, you live that way, and it'll kill you. you. You stay in that place, and it'll destroy you. The ones who can speak with the greatest conviction about those kinds of things regarding the far country are the ones who have been to the far country. And by the grace of God, miraculously in his rescue, have survived the far country. In Jesus... In the name of Jesus, there is rescue. He's saying that the shepherd didn't stay just with the 99. They were safe. They were protected. But his heart went out for the one that wasn't safe, that wasn't being protected. (laughs) And he went after the heart of Jesus. He's the rescue. He's the restorer. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm maybe preaching to the choir here a minute. But you know, folks, the truth can be that in our lives and in, the, in the, some of the choices that we, 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 can, we can, if we're not careful, find ourselves having strayed a long way away, maybe some secret part of your life. Some part that, that, that nobody knows, you think, but heaven knows. It, it's in, it, it just lit up in heaven, everything. <laughs> everything that we're doing, saying, thinking, places we go, people we hang with, all of that is, in, is known as clearly to God as, as, as anything and more that would be in broad daylight here. But we can fool ourselves into thinking, if I'm not getting caught, if people don't know about it, if people don't see it, then I can go there. I can do that. I can be that only to find that sense of loss rising up in our hearts. As as David David would say in Psalm 51, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Against thee and thee only, I've sinned and done what is wrong in your sight. We, We begin to wake up and we realize that 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 lie we've been believing that darkness is better than light begins to have an effect on us. And we can wonder, am I so far off? Am I so far away that even God couldn't love me or want me back? The good news here is Jesus is, in the name of Jesus, there is rescue. In the name of Jesus, there is restoration. And he talks about, he sets this up in juxtaposition. You've got the ones who need to repent, and then in their thinking, the ones who don't need to repent, the the the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus just really clearly says, "With knowing how they're hearing this, he's saying, there's more joy in heaven When somebody who's been away from God comes back to God, there's more joy for that to happen than over these 99 that don't need to necessarily be rescued. Heaven's heart is to rescue. Heaven's heart is to restore. Heaven's heart is to go on the search and find the broken and the wayward and the wandering and even the rebel and bring them home. Oh, listen. The the old part of you is never going to change until you leave it in the grave and end up in the presence of the Lord. Everything we were ever capable of doing before we came to know Jesus, we are still capable of doing since we have come to know Jesus. He will say in Galatians, Paul will say in Galatians, 5, that the spirit wars against the flesh. The flesh is the old you. The spirit is the new you with Jesus alive in you. But he says the two war against each other. They're not headed in the same direction. And it's possible that a child of God, a Christian, someone born again, find themselves drifting away willfully choosing to go away, exploring some other stuff. But they're out there only to wake up one day to say, Lord, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't, I don't want this secret life anymore. What do I do? In the name of Jesus, there is rescue. In the name of Jesus, there is restoration. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus rescue. See, the problem, is, we can get we can get so far away that we don't even know how to come back. But we do know that one name. That name that is above every name. That name That name of the one who is the friend of sinners. That one who in Isaiah 55 says, let the wicked man turn around and come back. Let the one who has forsaken the Lord come back to the Lord because he will abundantly pardon. That's the context for the next lines that we often quote where the Lord says, for my ways are higher than yours. My ways are above your ways. The context for his ways being above us is his ability to forgive. It's how he forgives. The wicked man, the way that the Lord forgives a wicked man or a wicked woman or someone lost in sin, the way that the Lord does that is off the charts as far as how we would figure mercy and forgiveness and restoration ought to be done. In the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders. But also in the name of Jesus, there is rest. And in the name of Jesus, there is refreshing. And in the name of Jesus, there is rescue. There is rescue. Amen. Now that, that's our that's our message to our own hearts, but that's our message to this world. That's the good news we bring in the person of Christ. And may we, may we be bold and may we be abundant sharing that message, speaking that, living that message through our lives. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for reminding us of the authority that is in your name to bring rest to our worldly souls. The power that is in your name to bring refreshing to our dry hearts. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the goodness, the deep mercy of your heart. To rescue us, to bring rescue, to bring restoration to our souls, to our lives, to our families, as only you can do it. We open our hearts to you, Lord. And we pray that you will press these wonderful truths of who you are to us and remind us of these truths of who you are, when we need to be reminded of them, even this very hour. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.